I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? All right, another day, another dollar Another one of my favorite episodes Yes, I'm a little biased It's my own podcast What if it did work? Here, I've I've got something original. I actually thought he was a self-publishing company, but way different. My next guest, Nick Hutcherson. Nick Hutcherson stands as the visionary force behind BookThinkers, a growing seven-figure marketing agency that seamlessly bridges the worlds of authors and readers. In just over seven years, he's organically built a platform that reaches over 1 million people each month. Nick's podcast, Book Thinkers, Life-Changing Books, is the global top 2% show that features captivating interviews with world-class authors such as Grant Cardone, Lewis Howes, and super hot Alex Hermosi. Through the use of his platform, Nick has helped hundreds of authors expand their reach to hundreds of millions of readers and drive significant revenue growth as part of their book campaigns. His service includes short-form video production, podcast booking, and social media book reviews. Now Nick has dedicated his life to helping millions of readers take action on the information they learn and rise their potential through his books, speaking, and personal brand as a whole. This was the inspiration for his new book, Rise of the Reader, where he dives into the strategies for mastering your reading habits and applying what you learn. How's it going, Nick? Omar, I appreciate the intro. I'm doing well. I'm an open book. Uh, pun intended. So whatever you want to talk about today, I'm excited to jump into it. No, literally and figuratively. But I, I got to tell you, one of the reasons why, because at the time when you guys booked, I was still with Valuetainment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, publicists. Your publicist is great. I thought you're, you you could walk on water, cure cancer. You're like, this guy <laughs> needs to be on your show. So I'm, I'm like, whatever. I did the inter- internet. <laughs> you know, I, I looked at your stuff. I was social media stalking you. And then I saw like all of my bosses at Valuetainment were following you. And also you had the one, the only, I mean, heck, I might have two books, but I know he's got one book, PBD. So, hey, man, you are a man of interest. How's it going? Listen, I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, I'll tell the PBD story real quick. So I was living in Austin, Texas, back when PBD and Valuetainment were in Dallas. And uh, somebody... I was actually interviewed on a podcast and the host was like, do you know Patrick Pet David? And I was like, I mean, I know of him, but I don't know him. And they were just like, let me make an intro to his team. Uh, so I offered to drive up from Austin to Dallas. And uh, it w- that was very early in my podcasting journey, right? It was a few years ago. And so we didn't have recording equipment for the road. So <laughs> I literally, I set up in his office with two iPhones on tripods <laughs> and he walks <laughs> in and he's like, you know, he could have been like, who let these hooligans in here with two iPhones on tripods to film a podcast? But instead, he was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, check out the hustle. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you guys making the trip up here. And then he after we recorded the podcast, he spent an hour just kind of like sitting back, answering questions, providing value. And it was a really cool experience. So, yeah, you know, one of many mentorship experiences that I really value, you know, I, I put a lot of value in. You know, you found a new niche because look, after we spoke briefly, before we started, man, where were you? I launched two books and you could have helped me out immensely on that. I I never actually knew 
that there was companies like that. Because before you had the, you know, the people on Instagram, hey, give me like 20 bucks or 50 bucks and I'll I'll, I'll have like five reviews for you. And, you know, you you get what you pay for. So, you know, I I never went that route because I'm like, for 50 bucks, 100 bucks, I know I'm definitely not going to be the next Sharon Lecter and Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> I have a funny story about Sharon uh, that I can tell you in a minute, too. But yeah, listen, my my company started as a book review company, but I realized, and, and I was offering paid book reviews on Instagram before that was a popular thing, right? So years and years and years ago. But as I'm reading and implementing these business books, I'm learning that you have to follow up with each customer and you have to offer like, hey, can I help out with anything else related to book PR, book marketing, podcasting, social media content? Like I tried my hand at all sorts of things as sort of like a free intern behind the scenes, working with authors so that I could truly understand what pains they were experiencing in the publishing process. And you're right. I mean, most people, they end up publishing these books and they don't know where to go or how to promote them. And so, yeah, my company, we have three kind of core offerings. One is short form video content. So we'll actually fly out and help an author turn their book into 50 to 100 pieces of professional short form video for Instagram Reels, TikTok, YouTube Shorts. We do podcast booking. So we'll place authors on up to 100 podcasts in anticipation of their book launch so that they can get the message out there and have all these shows release in a focused period of time. And then we have about 150,000 organic US-based uh, followers on social media too. So each and every day we're posting new book reviews and we can move a lot of books that way. Yeah, that I saw that. And you know, I, yeah, you guys were promoting Alex Ramosi, which I, I downloaded the Audible started listening to it i need to order a, a print copy i mean he's he's the hottest thing out there these days yeah we had him on our podcast uh maybe like six months ago and uh you know it instantly took off and it's not because of of us it's because of his own following they watch everything that he's on so he's a really cool dude but uh, let me give you an example so i wrote i wrote my book rise of the reader to help people get more from the books they're reading so check this out i read alex's book hundred million dollar offers last year for the first time. And there are some exercises in the, in the book to basically say like, hey, I'll help you five or 10x your average deal size if you're a service-based company. And so I go through these exercises and I find something that I think could be of value to my customers, which is the short form video. But I'm like, man, that would be expensive to fly out all the equipment, to work with people to film a hundred videos. Like I know video content's the best way to grow, but I don't know if that would work, like if people would be interested in it. So I started because of Alex's book, I started selling it and it sold like wildfire. And I that $20 book and a few hours of my time reading it literally led to an additional six figures in revenue within a few months. And so that's how fast uh sometimes a book can help you grow your business. And so yeah, I, you know what, I, I love a lot of what Alex has to say. I don't love all of it. Um, we definitely disagree on a few things, but man, he is an amazing business author and, and, uh, I've gotten so much out of his books. You know, the one thing that I tell people, my audience, people in general, people, anybody that wants to listen to is everybody's always like the cost, the cost, the cost of going to a business seminar, the cost of going to personal development, the $20 book, the cost of the $20 book, that's talk. That's scarcity mindset. They have to look the other way and go, what if? Like what you just you just said, that twenty dollar book, that twenty five dollar book, you got back 
and then some. And and that's what people have to do is as long as you implement, because there's plenty of people that, you know, oh, I read 40 books, you know, of of the greatest authors of all time. Okay, that's a seminar junkie. That's the same person that goes to, you know, he just went went to the vault. He's gearing up to go to Anthony Robbins UPW in in November and then like 10 exit with Grant Cardone in in March. And it's like, okay, man, you're you're well-rounded. I'm I'm assuming you're going to go see Brendan soon. but what have you implemented? And it's a, uh, what do you mean? You know, I'm, I'm surrounded by greatness, but to, you know, you can surround yourself in greatness, but it's all about implementation. It is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's becoming my whole brand. One of my favorite Napoleon Hill quotes says action is the real measure of intelligence. So you're totally right. It's not attending these conferences. It's not reading these books. It's taking action on what you learn at either one of those two places. So sometimes when I meet people, I say, hey, what book are you reading? And they'll tell me. And then I'll say, why? And then I'm just met with like a blank stare. And they're like, what do you mean why? And I'm like, well, why the heck are you reading the book that you're reading? So one of the tips I have in my book, Rise of the Reader, is to set a smart intention for each book that you read. So when I read something like $100 million Leads by Alex Hormozzi, I'm not going to just read that book aimlessly, hoping that it's going to help me. I'm going to set a goal for the book, an intention, and it will follow it'll follow the smart goal framework. So it will be specific, measurable, attainable, it'll be relevant to my business, and it will get it will be time bound. I'll have a time limit. So my goal for like hundred million dollar leads might be find and implement at least two strategies for effective lead generation by the end of September. That's a whole lot different than just reading the book and hoping that it's going to help me. Now I have a goal that's measurable and I know whether or not the book helped me achieve that goal. And so same thing with conferences. Why are you here? What can I help you with? People are just like, well, I don't know. I'm here to learn. No, tell me what you need help with. Otherwise, I can't help you. And so I think a lot of the value at these events, whether it's grants or PBDs or whoever, is it's like, you need to know exactly why the, why you're there and whether or not the conference was effective for you. Same thing as the books. I'm I'm a dabbler, so trust me, brother. You 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 can talk about all of them. I, at one time, listen to this. I I'm a Zig Ziglar certified coach, Grant Cardone certified coach, and I was working for Valuetainment, and, and uh, I was promoting, and I was I was helping build his brand. So you know, when when it comes to something like that, man, I say go. If, go to these, but implement. Networking doesn't mean just shaking people's hands and doing grab ass and, and doing selfies because you know you, you got a selfie with PBD or GC or, or whatnot. Find somebody out there that can be your business partner that can actually or give you that million dollar idea to you know increase your business or, or come up with a new idea. But here, I, I got to ask you, Nick, you became a solopreneur. Now you're you're the basis of an entrepreneur because you have a team. Were you like a big time reader growing up or what what made you want to get into books? Yeah, I was not much of a reader growing up. In fact, I never read a personal development style book until I was 21 years old. So the origin story there is that as I was going into my senior year of college, I took an internship at a local software company. I say local, but I had about an hour commute each way. And uh, very early in that experience, my my boss at the time, Kyle, my sales director, he recommended business podcasts. And I might 
I might glorify this a little bit, but he said something like, Nick, listening to the same playlist, the same song for the 1,000th time on your way in, it's not going to get you any closer to where you want to be, but the right business podcast might. So I started crushing these podcasts. I was listening to everything that I could. And I noticed over time that so many of the successful people being interviewed, they gave at least some credit for their success to the books that they were reading. So I went to my local Barnes & Noble one day and I grabbed a stack of 10 books. The first one was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Sharon Lecter and Kiyosaki. And I read that book and I just had aha moment after aha moment. And I just fell in love with the space after that. I was like, what problems can I solve? What skills can I develop? Because these books condense decades of lived experience into days of reading. So can I use these to improve literally every area of my life and solve every single problem I have? Like that was the goal. And so it's been less than 10 years since that first book, but I, you know, I'm well on my way to doing exactly what I set out to do, which is just design my dream life and enjoy the passage of time. So no, I was not always a reader. I was more of the athlete stereotype, not much of the academic, but in hindsight, I wish I paid a little bit more attention to some of those books growing up. You started early, dude. Most people, most majority of people couldn't tell you John Maxwell was much less Grant Cardone, or they might know Anthony Robbins based on, you know, Shallow Hal. So, uh, you know, I I applied you. Me, it it wasn't until I was like in my mid to late 20s, I didn't know what personal development was because my mom, uh, like the masses, didn't believe it. She, She still hasn't read any of my books. She hasn't heard a podcast episode or video. But if she doesn't know who Anthony Robbins is, she calls the guy Anthony Roberts. If she doesn't know who the granddaddy of them all is, you know, I'm just her son. And that's fine. But I remember my dream job, I, I wanted to work for Raymond James. They're based out of Tampa, financial advisor, South Florida. I didn't want to go travel anywhere crazy. And interview after interview, I, I was finally at the fifth, the, the last one. All I had to answer was a simple question. I, I get the job, the whole nine yards. And the I remember he's like, so what are your two favorite business or personal development books? And I was like, because and it floored me. And I, I later, not that I went home afterwards, after I did not get the job, after I had the, you know, the, the walk of shame. I, because I knew I, I I failed, that didn't even get me going. But yeah, I didn't know who Zig Ziglar was. I didn't know who Napoleon Hill. You know, I I, I said I I was a reader because you know I read fiction or history books because I have a a minor in history. But yeah, dude, I applaud you, man. Congratulations on starting the journey a lot younger than me. Yeah, thank you. You know what? I, I think when I tell that story, sometimes I say I never started reading these books till I was 21. You know, it's either met with like, yeah, you should have started earlier, but more often than time, it's actually met with what you're saying, which is that is early compared to a lot of people. And and uh, so here I am, I'm 29 years young, and here's the result. I I like to say I'm not 29, I'm thousands of years old because I've read thousands of years of other people's experiences and implemented them into my life. And it's like, it's hard not to grow when not only you you download that information, but then you use it to take action. So like the, the kind of through line of our conversation is that if you choose not to take action, you just become a junkie 
and you just you just take all this information in, but you choose not to do anything with it. And I think that's that's one of the problems I'm trying to solve with my book, man. Because let me tell you, it's one thing, and I tell people all the time, like, oh, what what what's the next book I should read? What the what's the next book, or or should I go to this seminar? And you know, if, if I know the person just does it just to get their dopamine fix or just to i'm like you don't have to read those books man they're boring as hell you know there's way more interesting stuff to read if you're not going to implement it just Mm -hmm. implement implement something either that or i i I remember a guy you know has the master's degree the big mba barely gets by has odd jobs personal trainer and whatnot and I remember he read my first book, What If It Did Work? And he tried to say, well, you know, I blame you. He read 100 other books. He's like, I blame you for, you know, it, di- it didn't do anything for me. And I'm like, brother, my book doesn't do shit for anybody. 10X doesn't do anything for anybody. Awaken the Giant doesn't do anything for anybody. What does the work is you, man. You, you just don't read something and, you know, all of a sudden you, you can walk on water and you're, you're the next Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Yeah, that's the, that, that's a great segue into my Sharon Lecter story. So one time I had the chance to, to talk with Sharon and I remember saying to her, hey, the first book that I ever read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Thank you so much for choosing to write that with Robert. A lot of people don't know that they, that she's the one that wrote the book. He just yes. promoted it. And so she said, don't thank me. And I, that kind of caught me off track. She's like, Nick, you know, that book has sold like 35 million copies. She's like, what percentage of those people actually read and implemented the book and used it to create a better life for themselves? A very, 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 very small amount. So she's like, why don't you do me a favor and pat yourself on the back? Stop thanking me for it because the book didn't do anything you did. And I was like, that's a cool way to think about it. It's exactly what you're saying. The book might put you in the right headspace, but you have to take action on what you learn. Otherwise, these books are no different than playing video games or watching Netflix. They just become forms of entertainment if you choose not to take action. <laughs> yes. And, and, and it's funny because you said it best. She wrote the book. Whenever have, have you ever met Robert Kiyosaki? I'm like, no, but you know who I did meet was Sharon Lecter, who wrote who who wrote the actual book and who keeps on writing books. And I'm like, uh, and she's like the, the, she rewrites Napoleon Hill books. And people always look at me like I'm crazy. Cause uh, I actually, after my book came out, uh, my first one, I met her and I sat right next to her at 10X, got the selfie, the, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you, you're, you're part of the reason, you know, you influenced me to write the book. And, you know, she's very humble, but the the thing is though, most people believe that they're going to write the next because it's like the granddaddy of all self publishing books. But you you know the story on how it got it caught fire, right? Rich Dad. Yeah, I I met somebody named Tom. Met an author once named Tom, and and he was telling me that he actually bought the very first copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad at a gas station counter once, and. Uh, they went back and purchased that book back from him because it was like one of the first ones ever sold. But no, I don't think I know the the story of how it really you're, took you're, off. You're gonna laugh. This is the craziest thing. Yeah, they, they were they were buddies. They had a falling out years later, just like you know a lot of partnerships. But they're selling them out out of the garage, self publishing. So nothing major, nothing crazy. 
Well, what happened was, you know, it's always about getting it to the right person. What happened was someone up there in Amway, one, one of the corporate guys from Amway, read the book, thought it was like the greatest book he's ever read, and made it like one of those things that the downline through Amway, everybody, it was an essential read for Amway. So all of a sudden, bam, it, it became such a wildfire book because I mean, I'm not big into MLM, but I know it's a granddaddy. So I'm sure there's a lot of reps. Well, they, they couldn't keep enough copies in the, in the garage and the postal, the postal, the post office, like, Hey man, (laughs) this is insane. But yeah, after that, it just, it just blew up like that. And, you know, from self-publishing, it became a major publishing may you know one of the publishing companies picked it up and they wrote like a bunch of different ones and you know whatever happened happened between the two of them and you know robert has his new ghostwriter writing his stuff and you know sharon writes her own books yeah i've uh i've been you know around sharon's world a little bit and and i i love to see what they're doing with the napoleon hill stuff and now russell brunson uh he's starting his atlas research center and uh, I was told by somebody that he just bought a million dollar book, a never before seen, never, never released Napoleon Hill uh, piece. So, you know, a lot of people kind of forget, I think that, you know, I think Think and Grow Rich came out in like 1923, but I think Napoleon Hill only died in 1970 or something like that. So he wrote a bunch of stuff that that nobody has seen. And yeah, I guess Russell Brunson is on the mission to release all of it and get it out into the world. Russell Brunson, dude, is the only guy I know that besides Alex Rodriguez or any athlete from back in the day till now that can make millions of dollars within a half hour. I think he made like $8 million at, at the 10X in Vegas in the arena. And I was like, holy smokes, man. You know? Yeah, I was, that, dude, I was super humbled because I had a, somebody from his team reach out to me like with this new this new Napoleon Hill book that they're going to release and everything. And they were like, Hey, Russell asked us to reach out to you. And I was like, me, just like this book influencer, like, that's pretty cool. But I had Russell on my podcast way back in the day. And I was also a wrestler and stuff. So we got to trade like some dumb wrestling stories. And yeah, he's a, he's a really cool guy. And I think he's shifting most of his attention to like these antique books and stuff. So ClickFunnels already does 500 million a year or whatever it does. Like he doesn't need any more money. Hey man, it's he's, he, everybody knows who Russell Brunson is. If, if, if you sell, if you have a side hustle, if you have a business and, and it's crazy whenever I've seen him and like, Oh yeah, I used to sell soap at a flea market and you know, now I, I I'm part of the two commas and the three commas club, and it's like holy smokes, man! Yeah, congratulations to him. Now here I gotta ask you. You said it best: a book influencer. When you told family and friends that you're going to become a book influencer, was there like so- dead silence, or was there like Nick, please, please get <laughs> a real job, do something, work for corporate America? Don't don't chase these wacky, crazy dreams. Well, so I took this internship. I discovered business podcasting. 
I start reading these books. I go into my senior year. I did end up taking a full-time position at that software company. And it was a great position, making six figures right off the bat as a sales guy, rising through the ranks. That company got acquired multiple times while I was still there. Um, So I used all the skills and essentially the money uh, that I was making and developing. And I funneled it into my side hustle, which at first, the first version of Book Thinkers was going to be a mobile application that readers could use to organize their favorite takeaways from the books they're reading and socialize with other nonfiction readers, like have constructive conversations, repetition, retention mechanisms. But here's the thing. It never worked. So we funneled tens of thousands of dollars into this thing, hundreds of hours of our time. As a side hustle, I say us. I had a couple of business partners at the time and uh, it didn't work. But what I did do was I started to build this audience in anticipation of releasing an app. And so when the app never came out, what did start happening was authors were reaching out to me and saying, hey, Nick, can I pay you for a book review? Because my target reader looks a heck of a lot like your audience and the other books that you're promoting. So that was the first successful form of the side hustle was I started to get paid to read something I was doing in my free time. I think the criticism from friends and family came earlier in that journey when I started promoting these books. They're like snake oil salesman. These books don't do anything. You're speaking into an echo chamber. 10 years later, you know, I've built the business that serves me. I'm healthy, happy, wealthy. And I'm just like, they work if you implement them, you know? So (laughs) I think I've probably quieted some of the critics a little bit as far as friends and family go. But yeah, I think, I think they all thought it was a little goofy when I went from not reading and playing sports to sharing book reviews online. I mean, (laughs) it probably seemed like a really big transition for people. Well, like you said it best. That that's why I had to ask because you you clearly don't look like the studious guy, and, and don't take that as the wrong it's way. It's true. <laughs> yeah, like you you don't look like Zuckerberg. You 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 don't look like you know one of those guys. And, and when you talk about an app, if you would have told, I, I would have been like, dude, do you do you know anything about programming or coding or or anything like that? And you know what, the dude congratulations not on that wasn't a failure man that was just just an expensive learning experience you know how many people would have just quit and said hey man i gave it my best shot you're you're stubborn man you're stubborn like me you got up and you're like okay well let what, what what's plan b let's pivot and you did that man yeah i had a mentor early in my journey And I was talking to him about my app and I'm like, listen, this thing's getting ready to go. Like, no, we're not making any money yet. No, I don't have much of an emergency fund, but I'm ready to make the jump. And he was like, hold, hold your horses. Like, let's be a little bit more patient here. And then he told me what you've probably read a thousand times too. In the E-Myth Revisited, Michael Gerber says that 95% of small businesses fail in the first five years. Why? Because most of them run out of money. So he's like, don't jump and try to build the parachute on the way down. Let's play this slow and steady and see how it works out because you might need to fall back on that company that's paying you a bunch of money to do some selling as we figure this thing out. And I'm happy that I took that advice because otherwise I would have run out of money, burned out, gone back and quit the entrepreneurial dream. But I <laughs> I used to be insecure about this, but I love telling entrepreneurship stories like this now because I think it's unique. Book thinkers employed people full time and was making 
tens of thousands of dollars a month in revenue before I quit my job and actually went full-time into the business. So I, I employed people, but then I'd get asked about entrepreneurship and be all insecure because I still had a full-time job. So I like really tried to hedge my bets. I really tried to minimize risk. I did a lot to automate that position so that it didn't consume much of my time. Like I was putting full-time effort into book thinkers, but yeah, it was like a, a side hustle by definition for a long time. Dude, you know what? You st- do the side hustle until it becomes your main hustle. And there, there's that, that was just, you know, insecurity. That was that little voice inside your head, man. You always had the entrepreneurial spirit, dude. Yes. It's like me. I was an entrepreneur for 20 years, retired, tried to get back into the business, got a job at, at with PBD value payment. It's tough, man. You, you wouldn't have been able to work for someone. I five, six months in working for, you know, I thought, you know, the next you know, the, the next thing, it's still working for someone. And and yeah. the, the final straw for me was they kept on asking me, you know, I, I got, they know what I do, but they think it's a hobby. It's not a hobby. That That's your, and they would always be like, well, your your videos, what about Pat? What about Pat? You're not, my, my boss was always saying, what about Pat? You're not promoting. And, and I felt like saying the guy's worth $300 million. I don't, I don't think, you know, my audience, what about him, brother? And, you know, to this day, the guy never, the, if they, if anything, they would always be like the, the condescending friend. Oh, are you out doing a podcast? Are you out doing this? Yeah. And, and, it, and I'm sure you could, how, Nick, how's, how's that little thing going? I'm, I'm sure you, you got that, right? That, that, that's, oh, yeah. They're, they're trying, they're trying to make it look, they're, they're being condescending. Is all possible, but making it look like they're they're caring. Oh, so Nick, how, how's that little book thing going? Is it going okay? Yeah, I definitely received a lot of that. You know, not only about starting a business and having a side hustle, but also about the industry that I was working in. Right. So, it, just like you, it's like you know. Thankfully, the people that that may have been criticizing you about this podcast and everything else that you're doing, like. You know they're in the PBD space, so at least there's kind of some overlap. Like I, a lot of the feedback that I got was just like that industry is a joke. Like why would you ever want to work in it? None of that's real. Like get back to the real world, buddy. And so yeah, I think I had to I had to definitely filter out a lot of those opinions when I was first starting. <laughs> and yeah, now that little you know that little side hustle of mine, that little small business, because I definitely heard a lot of that over the years. Uh, it makes me happy and it pays me and, and some other people a full-time income. And we serve hundreds of authors a year and uh, improve improve the likelihood that their book ends up in the right hands. And that's all I care about. You know, the one thing that got, you got to be feeling a little good about yourself is all those naysayers, all those doubters, all those people with all the snide remarks, they can't wait for the rise of the reader to come out because believe it or not, the quote unquote snake oil salesman is making it happen. And you True. are being in service, dude, that bo- bottom line is you, you are helping out the author. You are helping out the entrepreneur that, yeah, he knows how to write a book. He knows how to do this, but he doesn't know how to market it. You can have an amazing book, 
But if you don't know how to market it, it could have the cure for cancer. Nobody's still going to buy it. Yeah, Kiyosaki says that, or Sharon technically says that. In the end of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it says it's not the best written books that perform well. It's the best selling books that perform well. And you have to sell your books in order for them to be best selling. (laughs) So yeah, I agree a thousand percent. And I can't wait for this book to come out. And listen, it's genuinely going to help people take better action. And just like you, like that's my mission is like, let's, let's take action. Let's overcome fear through taking action. That's where it happens. And uh, I do believe like the right book at the right time can do everything for somebody. Well, have you ever just look at some people and you're like, what are you waiting for, man? Quit the bullshit. Cause you know, you'll, you'll any excuse. Well, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm, you're not Bob Marley, man. Quit waiting in vain. Do something, man. Yeah. And, and you know, the potential, well, I have so much potential. Potential means you're super ass lazy, man, because the incompetent person, if the incompetent person keeps on doing things over and over, he's eventually going to find success. But the person that has all that potential that does absolutely nothing, one day he's going to run out of time. Yeah, he will. I uh, Yeah, I love that line. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. It's true. It's true. Here, since we're into storytelling and all that, Harlan Sanders, the colonel. I'm older than you, so it was called Kentucky Fried Chicken. They they changed the name to KFC because now it sounds healthier. For yeah. some odd reason, Harlan didn't hit success until I think he was like 67, 69. And that gives the lazy person the excuse, well, you know, I've got plenty of time. It's like, no, man, that guy was a hustler and that guy was a grinder. And yeah, he tr- he f- he tried and failed over and over from like being an entrepreneur from, tw- you know, tw- his 20s all the way up. And unless you have a secret recipe for chicken, man, quit the bullshit and do something. Don't say you got plenty of time. In, in, in fact, the guy that, that I told you as the NBA reads all these books, does personal training or does whatever. He, he's one that he's like, well, I'm only 55. I still have like 12 years. I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah, well, I have a tattoo on my neck. It says memento mori, remember your own mortality. And it's a good reminder that we will die at some point, that life is finite. And one of my favorite books, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware, um, for anybody that hasn't checked it out, or for you, Omar, it's a good book. And in the book, she's a palliative care nurse. So she spends the last couple of months, maybe weeks or days with somebody before they pass away. She spends time talking with these people. And she decided to write the book because she found that almost everybody dies with a ton of regret. And there was five major through lines, like five major buckets that people would talk about regret in. And the number one is that people live a life based on other people's expectations of them, not their own. And so it's like they don't pursue their dream because they pursue somebody else's dream, right? They work in a company, make somebody else rich instead of having that bold moment for two minutes, taking a little bit of action and finding some success with something that's more uniquely fulfilling to them. And so, yeah, when I think about it, I'm like, there's no chance to wait. It has to happen now. I mean, it has to, because I want to be the boldest version of myself and I want to live a life without regret. I don't want to be like, man, you know, if only I had taken a little bit of action 20 years ago, that's regret. 
And so, yeah, it's it's all about acting in the current moment and, and being the boldest version of yourself. I, I definitely believe that. Well, not only being the boldest version of yourself, wake up every day wanting to be the best version. Just be better than who you were yesterday. The thing is, so many people feel like they're going to be George Burns and Betty White and live to be 100. Man, tomorrow's never guaranteed, man. I, I know you know plenty of people that died in their 20s, their 30s. It's just random, man. It's not like, you know, we know our our limitations of being here on this planet. So go all out. You know, don't don't be the guy that's that all of a sudden, you know, the Grim Reapers knocking on the door and you're like, but but I'm it, I, I, I need more time, man, because, you know, it's not the movies. Life isn't fair. Shit happens. And when it's your turn, it's your turn to go. Yeah, no, it's true. And uh, I think it's a Seneca quote, but he says something like he wrote a, a book, a journal called On the Shortness of Life. And he's like, it's not that life is short, but we make it so or something like that. And we make it short by wasting all of our time watching social media content all day, listening to uh, or watching Netflix content, you know, that's meaningless. And listen, I do that stuff, too. Like, I'm not a robot. You know, I watch TV, but I don't let it consume my life. You know, I think about an entertainment to education ratio. And if you're spending 10 hours entertaining yourself for every one hour of education, like you're going to lose that equation. But if you can try to kind of even them out a little bit more, maybe a one-to-one ratio or even be education and implementation dominant, that's kind of the winning way for life, I think. So, you know, replace a little bit of social media, replace a little bit of Netflix with taking action and building a side hustle and beautiful things start to happen. Well, you know, speaking of social media, since that's, I, I just had a chuckle because my kids asked me, uh, how often do I listen to the, or think about the Roman empire? And he just mentioned Seneca. So, you know, I, I, I had to smirk because I was going to ask you, do, how often then do you think of the Roman empire since you're, you're thinking of the stoic philosopher? Yeah, probably a little bit more than the average person. Marcus Aurelius is on my mind pretty regularly. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny because both my daughter, they're going to be 18 and 16. They, they're they immersed in personal and business development, but they, they, you know, on their downtime, they do the TikTok. And they asked me that knowing that I was going to tell them, well, all the time. And because they, they asked me like two days ago at dinner and they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, I I have the degree in history. We've been to Rome a bunch of times. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to think of the Roman Empire? It, it lasted over a thousand years, and we're still thinking about it. And and both of them were like, yeah, we, we knew you. We knew that was the answer. We just didn't know that you know most people think about it. You know, I'm like, well, you know, I, I guess. And you know, they're they're trying to film me because they wanted to to have me say. And I knew what they were doing. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's, that's too funny, man. <laughs> yeah. So- I went to Rome last year. I'll just, I'll throw this out there because it's a super interesting analogy. I took a tour of the Colosseum and as I, as I was in the Colosseum and they're talking about the Colosseum, they talked about it as a distraction. Like the entire Colosseum was built to distract slaves and poor people from what was really happening in the higher levels of society. So it's free admission. 
you just get absorbed into the games or whatever else is going on, gladiator matches, chariots, reenactments, and you forget about how bad your life is. And it's almost like today, television and social media is a modern coliseum. It's like it's built so that the average person forgets how miserable their life is and they just get absorbed into this instant gratification dopamine game. And meanwhile, like the people in control are the ones making all the money behind the scenes while everybody else is a sheep and they're distracted. So I, um, that's another reason why I think about Rome, I think (laughs) from time to time. We don't change, man. We don't humans. We haven't evolved, dude. Look, look at it this way. You know, we're, we're thinking of, Roman philosophers, the Stoics and whatnot, all these books, all all these books by Napoleon Hill, the Grant Cardones, business, personal development. If we went to Barnes and Noble, like a little aisle, business development, personal development, personal development's also like right next to the sex books and the yoga and they throw it all together to make so they can actually have a full... And then it's like two stories of fiction. Why fiction? The same reason Netflix, because people just want to escape, man. They want to escape their reality. And I tell people every day, you can create your own reality. You can be the, your own hero. You know, you, you can be do, doing two things. You can be streaming or you can be living and dreaming. You can't be doing both. But unfortunately, people... It all, all, all our friends. Well, yeah, we we have a huge following. You'll see a bunch on a Friday. Oh, uh, I need a recommendation to because I'm going to piss off, piss off, piss away my weekend. What, what can I stream? I why, why don't you stream something called Priorities, dude, and get off your ass? It's <laughs> a great way to think about it. I love that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, listen, you're hitting the nail on the head over and over and over again. I. We see things from a very similar perspective. And you're right. I The fact that fiction sells a thousand times more than nonfiction is pretty mind-blowing. But it makes sense when you think about the fact that people don't want to do the work or create the change. They just want to point fingers and blame at everybody else and then escape, you know, in between the complaints. Well, well dude, think about it. You know, we, we blame politicians for our, our shitty lives, both both sides. I'm I'm not political, but both people, you know, it's easier to say, you know, and it's like, are you a lobbyist or are you working because you want an ambassadorship or you want to be on the cabinet? And, you know, they always look at, oh, no. Well, exactly. But even in Rome, man, they they friggin killed Julius Caesar, you know, because it's always easier to blame, you know, someone else for your issues instead of just looking in the mirror and going, Shit, man, I've got two choices. I, I can be a, a victim and blame and cry and, and be a bitch, or I can be like the hero of my own story. I'm the master of my life, the creator of my destiny, and move on and, and shut up and just do the work. I have a funny, another funny story about Rome uh, because you brought up Julius Caesar. So when I was there, a couple of my followers, uh, they DM me and they're like, hey, you know, Nir Eyal, he wrote a couple of best-selling business books. They're like, Nir Eyal is in Rome right now. You should hit him up. And I've had him on my pod a couple of times. So I uh, I hit up Nir and we went for a walk and we just walked past like this little tiny area of the street. There's no plaque or monument or anything, but it's where Julius Caesar was killed. And it's just so funny because it's this 
it's a famous story. Everybody's heard his name, but like, as far as the Roman empire is concerned, you know, it's such a tiny moment in that history that, you know, it's just an average area in the road. Like there's so many more interesting things to see in Rome than where he was killed. But like, if that had happened over here in the United States, we're such a young country that would be like roped off with velvet ropes and security and you'd have to pay admission. And, you know, it's a reminder that our country is so young and, it's growing because of opportunity, but we got to try not to ruin it with the politics. Like you're also talking about it at the same time. Now, did they show you where uh, um, they uh, cremated him? Cause I saw that it was, it was like, I don't know. Things. I don't think so. Yeah. It, it, it's also something like, Oh yeah, by the way, that's where he was cremated because like a, a thousand year history, you know, it's okay. You know, I, I think we make more of a big deal by saying, you know, the Ides of March, March 15th than, than in Italy or, you know, Romans. So, but yeah, too funny, man. So is there going to be a second book? I, everybody always gets that question. After Rise of the Reader, after you help so many people, after you're in service and you're like, thank people are like, thank you, Nick. Thank you for this book. Is there any, no, it, is there doubt or, or do you have things already in place that you're like, this is what my next topic's going to be, or you're just playing it by ear. Yeah. I don't have anything in place. Uh, I like to, I'd like to say I, I I'm not a writer yet by identity. I think once this book is out and, and it's helping a lot of people, you know, I'll continue to try to create useful information. And if this medium of delivery, like writing a book, helps people in a big way, then yeah, I'll definitely write more books in the future. You know, I'm a podcast producer. I'm a content creator. I'm a business owner. I help authors behind the scenes. But if I can develop a personal brand outside of the business and the podcast, you know, and our services and and really help people as an individual, like why not step into that? Otherwise I'd be limiting my potential impact. And, and I don't want to limit my potential. I want to continue to take action. And I enjoyed the process of putting together this book. Now you have two, right? So are you going to put out a third? I tell people F self-publishing. That's such a friggin' headache, man. You know how many people think I'm like on Oprah's couch or I'm like, you know, like cash, cashing these huge checks. And it's like, yeah, well, one month I might be able to go to Nobu. The other month I might be able to treat you to the golden corral, man. <laughs> but yeah, besides <laughs> that, yeah, everybody, no, uh, I, I have plenty of books, man, but as, as soon as either something hits, I, I need to create a demand that somebody's like, hey, Omar, we want you to join us and write write this book. Because af- after that, yeah, the first one was, was for ego. Or no, no, I'd say the second one was for ego. The first one was because everybody kept on telling me, write a book, write a book, write a book. And I was, you know, there was, oh, who am I? Nobody's going to want to read a book. Uh, you know, the only three three copies I'm going to sell are two to my daughter and, and one to my mom. There's always that. And then that's why, like, I would jump on people's podcasts. and like, well, how long did this book take you to write? I'm like, 45 years. And then people would look at me and it's like, well, yeah, I did. You know, 45 years. The second book only took like six months after that. But yeah, no, I, <laughs> I would love to write a book. But, you know, it's supply and demand. And I... If I wrote another one, especially in the self-publishing space, it would be like saying I've got I've got the greatest new VHS 
recorder that's coming out. Is there a real demand for it? You see, I'm I'm being yeah, honest. no, I, I totally do. I mean, look at all the books behind me. You know, how many are on leadership or culture or management or productivity? So when I it's a good point that you're making. When I was given the opportunity to write this book, I did work with a self-publishing services company. They mm-hmm. were referring me business. We'd help promote their authors. And they basically said, Hey, Nick, if you ever want to write a book, we've got you in exchange for an ad in the back of the book. And I was like, that's a deal that I might take up, you know, at some point. And then I realized there was a demand for what I wanted to write about, how to take more action from the other books you're reading. Because With the following that I have, a lot of people ask me that same question, like, how do I take better action on the books I'm reading? And I searched for a good book recommendation, but there really wasn't anything out there that talked about how to get more from the other books you're reading. It's kind of meta, it's kind of macro, but you're right. Like, If if there's a clear lane, like you could provide a solution to a problem and you know nobody else has written about it, and you can differentiate yourself and like clearly articulate what you've got then yeah, write the book. But if like for me in the future, I'm not just going to write another book on business or another book on leadership or whatever. I want it to be like super differentiated. And I think that's how you can at least become searchable for the right person. Now, this is my question for the audience. There's so many entrepreneurs out there. There's so many people out there that I know everybody's got a, a compelling story, a compelling book. How do they find you? I, I know how to find you. Clearly, your your publicists and all, all your social media. But how do they find you on social media? How do they go about hiring you, hiring your company, hiring your services? Yeah, our website is bookthinkers.com. You can throw it in the show notes. It's spelled just like it sounds, bookthinkers.com. And there you can set up a discovery call uh, with either me or somebody on our team to learn a little bit more about the services that we offer. So we can help people create good short form content for social media. We can help authors get booked on podcasts, or we can share their book in front of our audience. We've sold as little as zero books, I'm sure, with a post and as many as a couple thousand. So it's a wide range, but for the right person at the right time in the right book, we can move a lot of a lot of units for people. And if that book is a lead mechanism for some type of higher ticket complimentary product or service, like coaching, consulting, speaking, like then they're an even better fit for us because the ROI doesn't have to come purely from book sales. Holy smokes, man. Where were you like two, three years ago, dude? (laughs) Yeah, well, hey, maybe we can revive one of these things. I think what if it did work? Uh, That's that's what I was thinking. You see, uh, (laughs) back of my mind, while we were talking about Roman, the Roman Empire and and the Stoic philosophers and all that, 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 that was one of those thoughts that was going through my head. Yeah, man. Well, let's chat about it. No, I'm 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 excited by my business and by supporting people like you who have a good word to get out. I mean, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Whether I'm promoting in front of my audience or I'm kind of like, you know, my team operates as a ninja behind the scenes, setting up other people for success, like the outcome is still the same. The right book ends up in the right hands. And that's always what I'm trying to optimize for. You know, you've you've got the you yourself are a story, man. Think about that, Nick. The jock. Nobody in your high school would have ever thought that you'd be promoting. You would be the promoter 
for personal and business development books. But you, but you I you. would have bet a million dollars that I wouldn't become that person. So yeah, could you <laughs> or ever get tattooed? Yeah. Yeah, dude, you, you probably would have been like, man, this guy's, this, this guy's hitting the bong one too many times. If, if, you know, somebody from the future visited Nick in high school and would have been like, Nick, don't worry about it. You're going to yeah, do. I would have been like, no things. way. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, who's this lunatic? Well, here's my question to you. What words of wisdom do you have that person that's sitting on the sidelines that might have a good book or they have that manuscript or they they have that that great idea for a side hustle or maybe one day they'll start their business? What are those words of wisdom that you have for them? Yeah, I think uh, you can't hit a home run from the dugout, right? So you have to step up to the plate. And you have to take action. And imperfect action is better than inaction. Done is better than good. You know, done is better than perfect. So just like get out there before you're ready. Try. You know, one thing that I wish somebody told me when I when I was first starting a business is that the minute a dollar transfers from somebody else's bank account into your bank account, even just one dollar, that's a real business. That gives you something that you can replicate and repeat and grow and modify and iterate and build into something bigger. So just, yeah, go out there. I mean, I had uh, this cool dude last night over my house for a podcast, Noah Kagan. And Noah was like, he's like, even just ask your friends and family to Venmo you a dollar. Just say, I'm starting a business. Can't tell you what it is yet, but I need a little bit of early confidence. Just Venmo me a dollar. And it's like, watch what that does. Every step in the right direction counts. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, one dollar at a time? That's a real business. So that that's what I wish I was told. And that's what I would say to anybody in your audience today. You know what, brother? Thank you. Thank you for the time, man. Thank you for the opportunity believe it or not a lot of publicists uh heck even gc's uh stages they send me a shit ton of people and i cringe because i i do it and then it's like oh I, you know six months seven months eight months later i i released the podcast episode you know i from the bottom of my heart dude this is one of my favorites and i don't i don't say that to anybody you you you're very engaging. You connect these. You're you're a great storyteller. Storytelling to me means you can sell anything, man. You would have been successful in any business that you started. So congratulations, you. man. And you know what? For being a young guy, most people your age, they don't know how to connect because they're too busy on the friggin' phone, man, on a date, texting the chick in front of them instead of actually being a good storyteller, being able to connect. So Definitely. And yeah, man, uh, for sure. I, I would love to talk to you or to your company later on about, you know, what we can do. Cause like, like what the book says, man, what if it did work? Right. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.